1: Is there
2: no end to your own hypocrisy? Your God is power, you have no shame. Your only interest is political game
1: You hide your eyes and refuse to listen. You play
0: your game. Coming up next, America Can We Talk with your host, Debbie Georgianos. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and especially welcome to one of our Thursday shows. It really is just like my favorite day of the week now, Thursday, because we have great guests join us in studio. We have a wonderful studio audience. We just have a chance to dive in and talk really more deeply about a whole bunch of issues facing America. Well, today our very special guest, I'm very grateful, was available and in studio is a congresswoman whom I've known for quite a few years here in the great state of Texas. She represents Congress, uh, Congressional District 24 here in Texas. She, uh, her name is Beth Van Dyne and a quickest uh, bio about her because she's Really, quite accomplished. She's in her second term uh, as a member of Congress from Texas. Uh, she was in this second term chosen to ser- chair, serve as a chair of the House Small Business Subcommittee. She serves on the very power, the very powerful um, House Ways and Means Committee. That's a, a lot of decisions get made there. They're very very important. Um, she also uh, was before that. She was. Well, the new, how I got to know her was, she was a mayor in here in Texas, Irving, Texas, where there was a, a really national level controversy uh, and she handled it with such grace and confidence and conservative clarity was a great thing she did uh, as the as the mayor of irving Uh, in between that mayor job and serving in congress she also was a member of the trump administration she served with the housing and urban development she was a regional administrator for the u.s department of housing urban development she worked under secretary ben carson Uh, she was overseeing hud programs and operations in five states arkansas louisiana and mexico Oklahoma and Texas, very accomplished, and uh, now serving us in Congress. And the reason I was so excited to have her uh, find out she was available today is because she was actually on the scene in Washington as the vote unfolded to, I think, first in 100 years or so, uh, to vacate the chair, to remove the sitting Speaker of the House, which happened this week, we'll hear all about that. Please help me welcome to the show, Beth Van Dyne. Thank you.
2: so good to be home. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So
0: in, good. Yeah. In the great state of Texas. Can that's...
2: I correct you, though, real fast? Yes, you may. It was not the first uh, actual um, um, vacating of the chair. A motion had been made in the past. This is the first time ever
0: we've had a sitting speaker removed. Oh, actually removed. Okay. Yeah. I stand corrected. Or I'm sitting, but yes, I am corrected. And, and the, yeah. only
2: reason, the only reason why that's important is moving forward, there's no precedent.
0: No yeah. precedent
2: and how to move forward from that.
0: Yeah, uh, we're gonna talk about that in a minute because I've seen a lot of comment. In fact, I, was, I had a meeting here in the studio in the conference room the last couple of hours and the television was on behind, unmute, but running through was endless news. And they kept saying chaos in Washington, chaos in Washington. I'm thinking there's a lot of chaos before this came along in Washington, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, so this motion, I mean, when did you first realize you're, you're a member of Congress, you're up there serving and you are a diligent member of Congress. When did you first realize this was actually going to be a vote on the floor?
2: Um, Probably the same night that uh, Kevin McCarthy got elected speaker. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Um, You know, there there was 15 votes that we went around, and it was always the threat hanging over his head. And the rule changes, and a lot of people were really happy about the new rules. But that was not necessarily a result of those 15 rounds going on. The fact is is that when you, typically the way it happens is when the new class comes in, you elect a speaker. When you get a new majority, you elect a new speaker for each congressional session. So a speaker is elected, then new members are sworn in, and then whoever's in the majority, they go back and they have a conference and they discuss what rules they're gonna put forward on the floor. So it allows new members to have an opportunity to decide the rules that they're gonna be governing under. That's an important, That's an important piece that was missing. What happened was we had a a dozen or so members that wanted to have the rules vote before anything happened, Um, which left out new members, left out a lot of us because we didn't actually have these discussions in conference. But the idea that the previous rules were ever going to be extended to the new Congress is false. Every Republican voted against those rules. Those were Nancy Pelosi's rules. We all wanted to get back to regular order. We all wanted that to happen. But I think what you saw during the, that, that, that vote in January was um, it, it set
0: him up for failure. Is that because among the rule changes was one person can make a motion to vacate the chair? Is for that-
2: hundreds of years, that was the rule. The only person who changed that was Nancy Pelosi. The difference, I think, in this, in this political division that we have in our country is the rule, the, the, um, the seat of speaker was respected. And you had, you had mutual respect on both sides of the aisles. It wasn't like the um, tribal game that it is now. You know, originally even Nancy Pelosi had earlier said, if it's a Republican speaker and they get, they have a motion to vacate, we're all standing behind them because we don't want to set the precedent That a handful of people in in the majority can change the speaker at will, at at a whim, and and, and that's what we've seen.
0: Going back to Nancy Pelosi, I was just hearing about today. (laughs) Yeah, 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 we have to. You know what? She had apparently, you know, this is I've not been verified in a way that I know, but apparently, had struck a deal that she could keep this office that she had, which was not intended to to be hers once she was. um, not speaker anymore, so long as she agreed that she would control the Democrat votes and they wouldn't vote to vacate the chair.
2: I, I don't. Do you know, know if that's I, true? I, I, I've heard that rumor, but I first of all, I didn't even know she had an office. You know, there. Yeah. I, I, I don't really spend a whole lot of time with her. I don't get invited to her office, so I, I have no idea what kind of deal, if any, were struck. I think people at right now are 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 hearing these rumors are are seeing things on Twitter and just repeating them.
0: Well, I, I, I thought you might happen to know. I did see it on Twitter, but it was not attributed to a source. Yeah. That's why I said I don't know where it came from. But the concept that all the Democrats voted, along with the handful of Republicans, to vacate the chair, if that was the deal, she broke the deal. I mean, she decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to let these folks do this. So but back to because this is interesting. I wasn't going to go here today. But if we're talking about the time that it, after the handful of people would not go along with the speaker's selection until certain concessions were made, you, I mean, that in part, I think, was a sense of frustration, mostly coming from people who would call themselves conservatives or, or the House Freedom Caucus, people who wanted to have the members on the floor have more power and the speaker have less power. Is, isn't that accurate?
2: That's what happened.
0: And, and is that a good thing or a bad thing? I can't tell from your reaction. I think,
2: well, I, I, you know, look, I, people complain to me all the time, and you've heard it too. You know, Republicans get in the majority, and what are you doing with it? Democrats get in power and they vote as a, as a party. Why can't we do that, right? Have we all heard that? Like I was gonna get you, there later you today, You guys get yes. in the majority and, and why can't you guys just fall apart, you all fight amongst each other. And then we have a group less than 10 who aren't working with the other team and what do we do as conservatives? We hail them, they're heroes. Because they're the only ones who are willing to fight the man. They're the only ones that are standing up. All the other 200 plus Republicans are rhinos. And, and the problem is, okay, make up your mind. Are we working together as a team to get things done, recognizing the fact that we have got open borders? We've had over 8 million people enter our country illegally. That's more, by the way, than the population of 38 states. We've had over 100,000 people that have been killed by fentanyl alone coming from our southern borders being processed and made in China. We have had, um, look at what's, what's happened to our energy, our energy supplies. 60 per, you're paying now 60% more in gas than you were when Biden got elected. 17.4% increase in inflation. These are real problems that we have, that we actually do have solutions for. And I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you an example on, we, we have a budget. We, we have a budget that ends, right, <laughs> October 1st. We are about to go into a government shutdown. We voted way back on, on earlier, beginning of the summer, end of the spring, we voted on a bill called Limit Safe Grow. I was not- okay, particular- Say Limit, Lewis- The Limit Safe Grow Act, okay. which would have increased the debt ceiling, which the majority of us were against, but you got a compromise on it. So it would have increased the debt ceiling, but it also had the largest spending cut in our nation's history. It would have protected our borders. It would have included um, um, provisions for HR1, which is our Energy Act, which would have increased production of of, of energy. And all of us agreed to it. Then McCarthy went and negotiated with Biden because the Senate wouldn't move on it. Senate refused to do anything with it. And unfortunately what happened is, is that Limit Save Grow was like this. You had members on our conservative side that had to hold their nose and vote for it because they wanted to see more cuts. You had members on our moderate side that had to hold their nose and vote for it because they thought there were way too many cuts. When you were dealing with a, at that point in time, a five member majority, that's, I mean, that was the balance that we struck. When it came back after being negotiated with the president, it was like, psh, the conservatives and our, our, our delegation could not, could not support it, so, so we didn't. But, but that kind of, of movement forward, I think, is necessary. What you saw with the, the bill that we had that would have avoided the, the government shutting down last Friday included provisions for H.R. 2, which was a, the Republicans' bill that we passed, our Border Protection, our Border Security Act which would have worked with local law enforcement officers, would have closed the border, which would have turned asylum seekers, which 90% don't qualify for asylum anyway, would have turned them away at the border they can apply, but from the first safe country they come to, which is the remain in Mexico policy as opposed to the remain in Texas policy we have now, it would have done all those things. And it would have decreased discretionary spending by nearly 30%. That was a bill that was brought to the floor last Friday. We had a handful of members that voted against it, and it went down. So then on Saturday, we were forced to have another bill that was brought forward that the majority of Democrats voted for, some Republicans voted for, and that was the bill that we got, because we could not bring over a conservative handful to vote for the bill. Was it perfect? No, but what we ended up with was terrible. And now we got, it was a 45-day continuing resolution, which continues the spending that Nancy Pelosi had set, as opposed to the, the uh, appropriations that conservative members had set.
0: That was a lot. I have I, about Sorry. 10, no, that's okay. No, I'm There's glad to a have all that. There's been a lot going it. on the last few weeks. <laughs> there, there has, there has. And I, I was gonna go back to the uh, motion to vacate the chair yeah. that, that Matt Gates uh, initiated. And honestly, I covered it, I think I was saying, I covered it on my show on Tuesday. Yeah. I, and I was thinking, well, you know, he made the motion, and it's probably going to sit around, and then they just went ahead and, and had the vote, and surprising. it happened. Yeah. But, you know, you said talked a moment ago about how it's been said forever, and it is always said. You know, Democrats get up there. You know, Barack Obama had his Democrat majority for two years, and he had the House and yeah. Senate the first two years that he was president, and he got through socialized medicine. Mm-hmm. He got through a whole bunch of things that there were just... The masses of Americans were were opposed to, but the Democrats had their power and they seized on it. And I will say, I do hear all the time from conservatives, my audience, my listeners, and where I give speeches, just why can't the Republicans stand together? Why don't we ever do what we want? And they had the litany of things that Matt Gates alluded to, uh, where where he felt like you know, Kevin McCarthy broke the deal. We we had this big standoff in the beginning. He broke the deal. And this what? is the only I solution. I didn't
2: quite understand what the deal was that he broke.
0: Well, you know, actually, that's a good chance. Emilio, <laughs> do you have that clip from? And look, Matt I'm Gay's not, I'm day? not, I'm
2: not defending nor nor you know, affirming, well, but I.
0: It is hard to, it's hard to know. He gave yeah. a, This is just a clip. He was cap, as he after he made the motion. I believe he left the floor. A bunch of yeah. reporters grabbed him. This is a short. and There was a 10 or 12 minute clip. This is about three minutes. And make sure it's on this screen too. Okay, thank you.
1: Mr. Gates, how many Republicans do you have with you in this effort? Well, I have enough Republicans where, at this point next week, one of two things will happen. Kevin McCarthy won't be the Speaker of the House, or he'll be the Speaker of the House working at the pleasure of the Democrats. And I'm at peace with either result, because the American people deserve to know who governs them. Well, I hold no um, malice toward any Republican who doesn't support the motion to vacate. Uh, I believe the basis for the motion to vacate is Kevin McCarthy's repeated breach of the agreement that he made in January. Just look at the breach that we've seen over the last few weeks. He blew past the pre-COVID spending top line he agreed to. He put a bill on the floor to fund the entire government without 72 hours to review it in violation of the agreement he made. He said that there would never be a bill on the floor of the House that spent more than $100 million without the opportunity for amendment. And yet the last continuing resolution violated that agreement as well. He also agreed to a rule that he would never use the Democrats to roll a majority of the majority. But in the last vote on Ukraine, we had a majority of the majority vote no. And yet that was not something that the leadership honored. They used Democrat votes to send more money to Ukraine. And maybe the last straw for me was learning that Kevin McCarthy had created a secret side deal with President Biden on Ukraine while we were in the middle of this, this government funding battle. A, a secret side deal on Ukraine is not what the American people want to see out of a Republican speech.
0: There was, at the end of that clip, and it cut off because it went really long time, some reporter said, I think the McCarthy office denies that. He denies uh, that there was I, a deal I have
2: him. never heard of a secret side deal, so I have no idea. Apparently, yeah.
0: there's a lot of secret
2: side deals <laughs> that I have absolutely no idea. If they, I, I haven't heard any of that. But you know, the irony is, um, um, he was complaining that McCarthy needed to have the majority of the majority of Democrats. However, every single Democrat voted to oust McCarthy and eight Republicans.
0: Yeah. So the, yeah.
2: the, the, the hypocrisy is not lost, I think, on anybody. But look, what it's done is done. Um, we have a lot in front of us to work on. Um, what I'm hoping is that, you know, personal spats aside, and I, I, I do believe it was personal with, with Matt. The man is a gifted orator. He is brilliant in his arguments. Listening to him speak on the floor of the House, it's amazing. What I would hope he could do is, it's, it's one thing to fight. And look, you know me long enough. I don't shy away from a fight. I don't mind being that one lonely vote. I, and I, I was often the lone no vote when I thought things weren't going well. But the fact was is that the reason why we had the majority of the majority be Democrats was because we were getting ready to shut down the government. That's why we didn't have 72 hours. The bill that he was talking about, they actually had four, over 440 amendments. I mean, that takes time to do, which is fine. Let's put the time in. And that, that was a mistake, I believe, that was made by the speaker, by the former speaker, is that we should have had our approbs bills done, and we should have had a budget before we ever left in August. I don't know the reason why that was not the case. That should have gotten done.
0: How big a threat is it to have the government shut down? How, how big an actual problem is that?
2: It depends who you ask. I mean, if you're looking at what's happening at our border, if you look at issues with, with FAA, I mean, they may not they may be considered essential, but we've also seen sick outs. Um, what we have been told is previous uh, closures has cost us nearly $11 billion. It costs 10 times as much <coughs> to keep it open um, I mean to close it as it does to keep open. And one, one thing that people don't always know, and I guess I always assumed before I started actually working mm-hmm. for the Trump administration during a shutdown, people are all sent, the, the, the federal government employees are all sent home. They can't answer their phones. They can't answer their emails. They're not allowed to come in their office. They can't take any files. So they're doing absolutely no work for the American people. However. And we hear this, oh, well, you know, the essential workers aren't getting paid. They're having to work without getting paid. No. What happens is, as soon as the government opens, everybody gets back pay. Everybody gets back pay. So it is as if, and the, the, the point of that is in a private business, if that happened, it would be a furlough. And you would at least save money in that short term. We don't save any money when the government, when the federal government shuts down. Now, honestly, I voted against the, the continuing resolution on Saturday because I, I, I could not agree to those spending amounts. I could not agree to it because it didn't have anything to protect our border. On Friday, we had our H.R. 2 provisions, which would have done that. I was very proud to support that bill. On Saturday, they took all that out, and we are now voting on a Democrat bill. I couldn't, I couldn't support it, yeah. which, is, by the way, was still better than the Senate, than the Senate CR that was coming down which had which had a ton of money, billions of dollars in there for Ukraine. So we were put between a rock and a hard place to either vote for this or you vote for the Senate bill, which every Democrat was gonna support.
0: Yeah, I, I meant to say at the start, and I, I got sidetracked because I wanted to jump into these, but you know, yeah. when um, Matt Gaze made those statements and, and others were talking about their support of, of trying to uh, move Kevin McCarthy along, part of the argument that he's really echoing or he's is, how much, in the same thing we were talking a moment ago, is how much people feel like our country is in, in a perilous state. We, we, you've alluded to, we have not just a southern border unenforced. We ha- it is the policy of the Biden administration to not enforce the border. We have n- millions in our country now. We don't know who they are, where they are, what their, what their agenda is. We have this push, and an uh, issue that really always grates with me is this central bank digital currency, the notion that government's going to take control of your money, and we don't hear fighting back about that. I think that people are two, they're, where they're
2: trying to give up the global tax. So our American businesses are now paying taxes to foreign entities as opposed to our own country.
0: I, I saw that bill. Yeah. I didn't want to get that. But I will say there's a range of issues that people think are its like an overused word these days. But like existential, where we don't have a border. We don't have a health care system where there's a freedom of the individual to stand up and say, I don't want that job. And I don't want to lose my job. And you can't tell me if I can leave my house or not. The, the range of issues that are so overwhelmingly alarming or it's large we at least the house put in these in, these committees a weaponization committee to look into things and i think that same sense is rising among the people is when are you going to do something not just hold more hearings issue strongly worded denouncements which i'm not saying you but i mean many people who purport to be leaders in the republican party they'll they'll issue a statement they'll go on sunday talk shows this is really serious and nothing happens, and Biden continues, the public's now aware, receiving his family, receiving and the millions of dollars from the, from the CCP, everyone knows this, yeah. and we just go and function as business as usual, we, we, if people, I mean, that's why I asked about how, big, how bad a government shutdown is. It's not just monetary, yeah. it's a sense of, we're gonna stand up to you with the Biden administration, we're not gonna yeah. let you do this. I think that's what people wanted to see. I'd love so your I think, reaction.
2: So I think what people um, um, need to realize is we've got within our, 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 our government system, between Congress, Senate, and presidency, we are literally three heartbeats away from having all three of those bodies controlled by Democrats. Three heartbeats. Three people. The, 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 the Senate is majority run by Democrats, and in, in a lot of the Republicans, like on the bill, the CR that they were going to pass down, was working with Democrats. Our Republicans were working with the Democrats. So we cannot get any kind of support from the, from the Senate, which we've seen. What we've seen from the president and the executive office is they are putting executive orders out left and right. right. From the House, we have already this year, so we've been in, 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 in power <laughs> less than nine months now. We have passed H.R. 1, which is an energy bill, which would have increased production, decreased taxes, decreased permits, um, and, and, and opened up exports for LNG we have passed hr2 which was our border bill we have passed a parental bill of rights we actually have passed a lot of a lot of Mm -hmm. bills that have come out they're sitting waiting for the senate to take up that's the way our country works and people like you're not doing anything i'm like okay this is what i'm doing i'm introducing bills i'm co-sponsoring bills i'm voting i'm talking to 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 as many media outlets as i can we're posting op-ed on pieces we're putting social media out We are telling the truth. We are trying to get support for our positions. And I'll tell you what we've stopped by having a majority as narrow as it is. We have stopped some horrible legislation like we saw happen my first two years in office. When you talk about chaos, talk about chaos. We saw horrendous bills, the infrastructure bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, which was anything but. We are able to stop those bills from coming to the floor. That is at least a a start. But we can't force the executive office to do anything if we don't have a majority in the Senate. We're passing bills. We're telling the truth. We are going to town halls. We are going to meet and greets. And we are sharing what's actually happened. And thank God for people like um, James Comer and, and Jim Jordan yeah. who right now are putting that information out. And I would add Jason Smith to that. He's chairman of Ways and Means, mm. by adding information of what's, what's coming out of the IRS. I mean, we are making all of this public and transparent because we see it firsthand. And we can pound our fists and get mad and introduce legislation, but unless the American people are so fed up, they're letting their Democrat colleagues know about it like they are with a border, we, we can get people, we can get our votes. But unless we can get the majority in both in both houses,
0: it's very difficult to move legislation. To finish the point I, I lost track of myself and I was speaking a moment ago. Because this has obviously captured uh, the attention of many conservatives about what what the vote was to uh, vacate the chair, remove Kevin McCarthy, and I, I could really understand. I do understand the votes of people just saying, you know, you didn't keep the deals. You we had to vote on big bills last minute, all the things, he, and other things that he would uh, make a list of. So I could understand the vote, but I could also understand the vote of people who just said. We the, we have no way forward. We don't have a, a the What's next speaker in being? mind. Hold on. We don't have the next speaker What's in mind. We don't yeah. have any. Uh, we don't have any better way to go. Yeah. And I don't. And so there was a, a frustration about. I mean, I can get to the point of legitimately defending either way and, and voting on that. Yeah. What I will say though is, I feel like the the feeling in the country is so desperate about our country's going down. I mean, election fraud, a whole other issue, and yeah. what probably won't get to today, but. People feel like the, the few who have power just do something. And so one thing I want to ask you is, what do you think about just defunding the Department of Homeland Security, hook, line, and sinker, until they build the, the border wall? Something that drastic. What do you think?
2: I, I think it's fair. I, I think we've signed on the legislation to legislation to reduce my, first of all, I've been asking for more, Mayorkas' impeachment for forever.
1: Good. Um, okay. Because
2: what we have seen is he's lied to Congress. He's not doing his job. He's putting our national security at risk. We're seeing it every day, and it's only getting worse. But when people say you're not doing anything, tell me what you do.
0: So what I do as yeah, a member and, of Congress. As
2: a member of Congress,
0: what I would do as a member of Congress. When well, people you know,
2: say you're not doing anything, tell me what. Tell me what you. And I and I ask this to groups. Tell me what I can do. Tell me what because they act as if Congress is one person, and that right. person isn't doing anything. We have 435 different personalities on the floor of the House. Tell me what you would do.
0: You know, the, I, I know what you're saying, and I understand yeah. you. I can totally, I know you pretty well. I can understand your frustration. I'm as frustrated person, as anybody. I got, one, a front, I got a front row ticket,
2: and I'm fighting, and I feel like, you know, we're fighting and pounding our heads against a wall.
0: Yeah, I, I will say, yeah, the end, and I'll tell you a quick story about that, too. So we had a fundraiser at our house uh, two 3 weeks ago for a member of congress and uh, all these really 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 well-informed patriots are there so he gave a very nice presentation telling the whole thing what he's doing and then i mean the questions started and they were just why aren't you why why isn't this happening why aren't you protecting the january 6 prisoners why yeah. aren't you doing something about them why aren't you fixing the border why aren't you stopping central bank digital currency why aren't you defending the military and you know the thing is he, they know looking at him he's not the he doesn't yeah. single-handedly have that power but you know, members of Congress represent someone who has some power and people feel like, I I, I think it's almost impossible to overstate the level of uh, anger, outrage that the American public feels. So to answer your question, there's not anything one person can do except speak up. You talked about speaking up about we need to impeach Mayorkas. That would be like a minimum. I I support impeaching
2: Biden as well.
0: And Biden (laughs) as well. But I do, I I think it's a, it's not you personally, wasn't this? actually this poor congressman at the end of all the questions he said my that was aggressive <laughs> I was like, sorry and i told him it's not you personally but people finally find someone to say yeah. and then, no it's not you i do know that beth the congressman i don't Ed, take any of this
2: personally i appreciate the passion like i want people to get angry i want people to be as angry and as frustrated as i am because maybe it will make a difference at the polls maybe it will make a difference in new york having eric adams have to go down to Mexico, okay? First, look, I was mayor and you remember all of the heat that I took when I was mayor because I worked with Immigrations and Customs Enforcement. We worked on getting illegal immigrants deported from our, our, we had a great partnership and they got deported from our city. And New York Times, everybody came down on me, said how horrible, racist, bigot, mean, yeah. Nobody's gonna wanna move to your city and we were one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Why? Because people wanna live in a safe city. This is not rocket science. But seeing these mayors, when I used to go to the U.S. Conference of Mayors, and they were passing resolution after resolution after resolution, because nearly 80% of all the largest cities in the country are represented by Democrat mayors. Right. We are we're welcoming cities, we are sanctuary cities. And I, she's the racist, she's the bigot. Where are they now? You got Eric Adams down in Mexico, but you know what? You got Bill Clinton talking about how bad it is. Why are they not calling their Democrat Congress members? and yeah. saying, you had a bill on Friday that prioritized the border. Why did you vote no on it? Yeah. Where, where are they? I, I feel their frustration, but help us out here.
0: Yeah, I, I feel the, the frustration of Democrats seemingly getting no pushback from their own constituents. I mean, maybe some Republicans who didn't vote for that person anyway, but they don't, as long as they can get reelected by the Democrat base, they don't really care what the Republicans think. And I think that notion of using the uh, power of the purse, com- the Constitution gave the Congress the power of the purse. I mean, the, the idea of, to me, the way the DOJ and FBI have treated the January 6th prisoners is third world country. I mean, this concept of, you know, we're going to break down the doors of people who didn't even go in, didn't even go into Congress, sat, I mean, stood outside in public property and were praying for the country and got arrested and are facing 20 years in prison. I've had them on my show. I think the, the people feel desperate, and I like your point about if you feel so desperate, start pressuring your friends who live in Democrat majority districts, who have a Democrat congressman, Press on them i don 't know if it would do much good. I do ultimately and I think election fraud is a huge problem because i don 't really think that the majority that the Congress now has, this slim republican majority, is really what was won. I think our elections are are, are extremely problematic. I think more we would have a larger Republican majority if not for that, yeah. but yeah, pe- people are just they, they can 't figure out a direction and an avenue to have impact. And so they, and I understand you're fighting in these things, I but think. But you brought yeah. up a good point about, about funding.
2: So on Homeland Security, the reason why, and it's not easy, but the reason why we passed HR2 was to force this administration, to force its agencies to do their job. Because we're paying them right now to do nothing more than bring people in. Right. We're paying them to, to, to just file papers. They're not following them they're not tracking them they're not even giving them dates you know to come to to court for asylum claims right like within the year i mean we're looking years out and then they're saying where do you want to go and they're flying them and who's paying for it you and i are paying for it so if they're not going to do their job and they're not stopping them and they're not doing their job of making sure that they actually would even 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 come close to the asylum requirements before letting them in our country why are we paying them what are we paying them for we're letting we're paying them to allow 8 million people in. So again, the bills that I have, that I have voted for that deal with any kind of funding have all of those strings attached that would force orcas and that would force Homeland Security to do their job. And you got to the January six folks, man,
0: w- and more and more that we said,
2: did you read, he read like the FBI were like good guys. Yes. Oh, I you know. That?
0: I know that they're, they're frightening. I wouldn't, I mean, yeah. Or oh, I and have you big stories about the FBI. I
2: mean, here's the problem. I'm on Ways and Means and I'm reading transcript after transcript of whistleblowers. And they are saying how they are trying to do their jobs. And time and time again, their supervisors in high roles are pushing them down and refusing to let them ask questions because it's related to Biden, refusing to allow them um, an opportunity to to go in um, and search these residences. And when they push further and they can't stop them anymore, they actually tip off the Biden family members. Yep. This is criminal. And part of what we're trying to do with this investigation, and I know it seems slow, and I hate that it is as slow as it is, but the more information we uncover, the larger it is. And it's not just Biden, and it's not it's not just Biden that has to be uncovered, but is how deep does this go? How far into the bureaucracy, which really is the deep swamp, which really is the fourth arm of government. Yes, it is. How yes, it is. deep does that go And what do we need to do to hold these people accountable? Because these agencies have gotten completely out of control.
0: Oh, and it's, it's DOJ, FBI. Uh, it's also the EPA and the NSA and the Department of Defense. You can go education yeah. or, down the list. These people have become they are the fourth branch of Don't We're get in me the started country, on healthcare. No, no accountability. Yeah no, yeah, no, no accountability at all. And and yet, and people just sit back and they they just and it is why I think I mean I, I hear your yeah. tone. I mean I understand very how frustrating it is because you come back and you realize, my gosh, people are just they're they're beside themselves, and you you think you see someone who can maybe do something.
2: But you just said, you named all of these things that are so important to the American people right now. We have very limited time when we're negotiating on the floor. And when we go back, those are the things that we should be negotiating. And you said chaos, right? It's all chaos. Oh. Every single week that we go back, it's like we're reacting to a, 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 a disaster. In right. this past week, and then next week we had an opportunity to be able to work on these things, and instead we're being sidetracked with now having to vote for a new speaker. Okay,
0: let's turn to the new speaker. Um, yeah. I know it's not really likely, but they've had they've had three people, I know of, have put their put their ring in the hat. And they're yeah. at least saying they're willing to do it, um, and then people have been talking about. Donald Trump as Speaker, which I think it's, I have to say, at first I, I did eye roll, just, oh, come on. But you know something? No, he would, I, I mean, I don't think it'll ever happen um, that, that the House members would agree to choose him as a Speaker. But there's a really good psychology about the idea. If they let him be Speaker, he is loyalty to no one he doesn't care he will solve the problems and if he does stuff that they don't like you know that they can blame it on him well look at our speaker i don't think it'll probably happen what's your sense where is the speaker race headed
2: um so yesterday we were on, on the first caucus is the texas delegation and look texas has 25 republican members and as soon as we saw that vote go through we're like, we have got to get control of this situation. We didn't, I don't feel as a Texas delegation that we have really been very strong in my term there. So we're like, this is ridiculous. We have to make sure that we are protecting our energy and that we are protecting our border. And nowhere is that more important than in Texas. So yesterday morning, we actually invited those folks to come and present and come the tell us. We three potential speakers. We had, we had uh, uh, Steve Scalise, we had Kevin Hearn, and we had Jim Jordan all come and speak to our delegation. And I gotta be honest with you, they were all f- fantastic. They were all fantastic. They, they all talked about energy, they all talked about inflation, they all talked about what's happening at the border um, and the, the need to control spending and get spending you know, to a, a responsible amount. And people, We were asking for 2019 limits you know, pre-pandemic. If you remember right, 2019 amounts were still off the charts. How many? You know how we, we just doubled the amount of our deficit from one trillion to two trillion in the last year. That's yeah. important. But every single one of them has um, has experience, has chops, um, has a backbone. Who is um, the
0: middle one? I know I know Jim Jordan and Kevin Suse, Helm, Kevin
2: Hearn is currently on the uh, head chairman of the was Republican Oklahoma um, Study Oklahoma yeah. uh, uh, RSC. So it's our largest conservative group. Um, he has put together a budget. He put together a very—I was on his budget committee last year. He put together a very aggressive budget that would have gotten us a balanced budget in seven years, and included a ton of cuts. Um, and, and he's very serious. He's a numbers and a policy kind of guy. Um, and in Jim Jordan, we all know lo- and love Jim Jordan. And, and Steve Scalise—I mean, he was the only one last year, or at the, in January, who did not have—he um, um, got 100% of all the votes
0: to be leader. Okay. So let me ask you about, we, you talked about loving the idea of possibly impeaching Mayorkas or even yeah. Biden. What is now, the I reason? I love the
2: idea. I hate the idea that we have to get there, but it seems well, you, like okay, we, we have to, we have to.
0: <laughs> so, But what is the answer to, now there's evidence that there's just pours out about the yeah. Biden connection to Ch- the CCP and China, millions yeah. flowing. What is the opposition among Republicans in the House to moving toward impeaching him? Why is that happening?
2: Well, I think there's an impeachment in- inquiry that's happening right now. It's happening yeah. both in um, um, oversight its happening in judiciary, and it's happening um, in, in ways and means in my committee. Um, you're, you're seeing it. You're seeing it proceed. Um, what we have found, is, and it's fairly simple, um, Hunter Biden gets foreign clients. Those foreign clients need help. Hunter calls dad, dad helps, and then Hunter, you know, the Biden family gets paid millions of dollars. We've seen it was a Russian oligarch who didn't want her name on terrorist list. Guess what? She calls up in, in 3.5 million dollars gets paid to biden family and she's off the list we've seen it with burisma right they were going to get in trouble they called up hunter biden uh, hunter biden calls up dad all of a sudden that prosecutor and that was public that prosecutor oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I played that clip a thousand times on my that, show that, that,
2: that prosecutor gets fired and then you know burisma gets millions of dollars hunter biden's family gets millions of dollars what we're what we're trying to do is again it's it's uncovering layer upon layer of what's happening not only from the biden family but from their bureaucrats. We have no idea how many people are involved, and unfortunately, it's affecting our national security. When you think about how oh. many of these people, not again, not just the Bidens, but how many of these long-term bureaucrats have been compromised, is there a reason why our policies on China are what they are? Why have we not held them accountable for COVID? Why do we laugh, the Biden administration laugh, when we have a, blue, a balloon? I know, a, a spy balloon. Fly over our military sites. Why is that happening, and why are we handing them the keys with all of our, our green, po- you know, the Democrats' green policies.
0: But Beth, here's a trade off. So these, yeah. you mentioned three committees looking into possible impeachment, and I love that. But what you just said right there, yeah. the Democrats would have impeached the next day when they knew all this up. With no I'm information. Just, I mean, yeah. but I'm getting at, well, they impeached Trump over nothing, twice, nothing. Yeah. But now you have all this, and the trade off is how long do you keep gathering data versus, given what you have now, just go. I mean, just, I know your committees are starting. How long is that going to take? And when is anyone going See, to... See, you realize we just? Just,
2: we just got an office, we, we just got majority in January.
0: No, I know that. Oh, I, mean, I, know, I know. I just want to make sure not, that we I
2: understand it. <laughs> like, it's not like we've been there for four years and, like, I think people want it on day one an impeachment. And the fact is, is that, you know, in, 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 in between getting our borders, getting an energy policy, looking at the Parental Rights Act, getting a budget, getting the appropriations bills out, in addition to that, you are uncovering more and more information. We want to make sure that when we go, it's not like when Democrats rushed with no, with no data and it was a political witch hunt. We want to make sure that we are following the facts and the facts are very clear. We've got 22 pieces of evidence right now that's on the Oversight Committee's website today. That is, that is evidence. We want to make sure, but we also want to, to it to be comprehensive. We don't just want to have an impeachment. How to be? You know, we want to make sure that, that that we've got support for that. But that when it happens, we are nailing everybody involved.
0: Do you think the Republican majority in the Congress would actually do it?
2: Yeah,
0: you really do. Yeah, well, I really I'm do. thrilled to hear that because I just feel like I, mean, I, I really I, do. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. I do read a lot of of the yeah. information that comes out of other experts on my show talking about what's already been uncovered. Yeah. It, it seems. Seems like enough, but I mean, it is very true. You develop a solid case, I guess. But and
2: we're fighting. You know, you're also fighting the media. You know, when we when we had those 700 pages of information a couple of weeks ago that we released, did you see it on CNN? Did you see it on? You know, I don't even want to name the other ones. Just <laughs> you, you're you're not seeing them even taking it. Seriously. Oh, they won't,
0: and, they, and yet with, with Trump, it's it the exact opposite, right? Right, you, you, which means they just have to, you have to give it up on them. You just—you yeah. can't ever expect they'll be on your side, on the side of truth, because they're not. The mainstream media is on the side of leftism and lies and propaganda, and so yeah. they're never. It doesn't matter if you had a video of Joe Biden, you know, receiving a check for twenty million yeah. dollars, by with, you know sitting there signed by Xi Jinping. It, it wasn't matter. him. It yeah. wasn't him,
2: kind of it like was Bowman.
0: It was an actor. When yeah. I
2: posted when I posted that picture, like, <laughs> you obviously
0: don't even know Bowman. You've never even met him. You just think,
2: because he's black, this is it. And like, he's admitted yeah. to he's it. The one he's, pulled his His office, office sent out a statement.
0: I know. I you saw it. Don't,
2: you know, don't believe you, your blind eyes, right? <laughs> believe okay. me.
0: Well, what, what work, if anything, can Congress do about the January 6th prisoners? I mean, is there a defund the DOJ until you drop all these cases? I mean, I literally, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I want that. Plus, I'll follow another idea. If we're going to have reparations on our side, if we ever support reparations, yeah. it should be for all the legal fees paid by all these January 6 defendants who did nothing wrong. That's reparations worth having. Yeah. Yeah. I,
2: haven't. I reached out. I, when I knew I was coming on, I actually reached out to my office because I've gotten this question a number of times. Nobody has called my office that I know of. I am unaware of any um, prisoner, of any family, or any um, legal representative that's called my office. I have no standing. We can pass laws, but those laws would be moving forward. Those laws would not be moving back. But what we are trying to do, and this is just like what we we're finding with the Hunter Biden and the Joe Biden investigation, the Joe Biden impeachment. What we are trying to do is figure out, how is the DOJ operating? How is the FBI operating? How have they gotten involved in all of these political witch hunts that never existed before, and why? So what can we do? We have the different branches. There's the judicial branch. So again, I, I, you know, I would love to be able to, to, to help out a lot of people, but there's the judicial branch. We are limited as, as, as lawmakers in what we can do once it hits the courts. But we also haven't had anybody within the district that we can, you know, from a casework perspective, that we can get involved. I do know that um, we have had a number of our members go and visit the jails, but we have been told very clearly, you don't have standing. So there's no law that we could currently pass that would um, be retroactive to that time, right? but I I think it was a travesty. I think they can find um, a solution in the justice system. But this is also why it's really important. We don't really look at our, our judges that we elect, right? We don't. We don't get nearly involved in that. And the fact that you need to have conservative constitutional judges that are looking and not activist judges, which is what we have, which again, is one of the reasons why I endorsed President Trump when he was running the first time, is his ability to be able to put, not just on the Supreme Court, but on federal benches across the country, constitutional judges. Because we can pass whatever laws we want, but if the justices do not support them and they create something else from an activist perspective, what we do in Congress doesn't mean anything.
0: Absolutely true. I will tell you, on the subject of, I say this in my show sometimes, because I know Again, there's a frustration like that poor congressman at our house who was just, everyone's just piling on. But I think the angst among people is that all, many grassroots people, and you don't use the word grassroots, just basic Republican people. voters, yeah. just Republican voters, that people, they see all these things happening and they're, and they're talking to each other, they're going to conferences, they're listening to shows like this, and they're, and they're just like, where are the voices? And, mm-hmm. and, and saying something about this. I mean, the January 6th prisoners are organizing themselves. They've got a massive organization putting information. On. I know one thing I think a lot of them say is they would love, I mean, I've said this, I would love to have every Republican in Congress, in the House and Senate, lock arms on the steps of the Capitol and say, "Here's a list of 10 things we are disgusted, we are outraged, we do." Even if you can't pass a law to fix it, it's a sense that the American people are hearing Republicans. That we get yeah, but it. Yeah. then all you're doing is about. talking.
2: You're not doing anything. I'm sorry. All you're doing is talking. You're not doing anything.
0: Oh, you're getting media attention. You talk about no media attention. If you have however many Republicans it is in Congress, you know, I mean, I'm just getting to the point. People want to hear voices in protest. I understand your v- statement on the steps of the Capitol is not going to make a new policy of the yeah. DOJ. But it is, I mean, I think these... Fourth branch of government people operate under the radar. They, they think yeah. no one will criticize them, and nothing's going to happen to them, and their power continues. And I just think they need to hear more voices. And I'm not Beth. You, a, oh, you. Oh no, no. You this, fight. I, it's not personal. I to you. love. Will I love this back and forth. Oh, I know. Yeah, no. I've We've loved, done the, this I love before. Back and forth. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, and <laughs> but, I don't I, look. None of this I take personally, but but literally, I want to be more effective. Nothing frustrates me more when I go to these meetings and and I will, I mean I'm on the floor of the house pounding, pounding my fists. I am on social media. I'm on media we, we write op-ed pieces. We we introduce we introduce legislation. My voice gets hoarse <laughs> at the end of some of these days. I mean but again being able to do something and be effective when you've got three heartbeats away from having the entire three you know legislative branches, legislate, you know the, the, the Congress, the Senate and the President in Democrat hands. And that's why when I ask those questions, it's not to be a smart ass. Literally, when I ask people, what would you do? It's like, help me, help me. You, I, I, I represent over 700,000 people. I want to be better. Tell me what we can do, because everybody will come to my office and they'll have complaints about things. I'm like, okay, tell me what that legislation looks like. We'll work with you on it. What, What is, what is the legislative fix on it? What's the messaging that you want me to put out on it? I'm, I am, I'm here. This is why I'm here. I will do it. I am open to it. And, and the majority of, of Republicans that I've met are doing the same thing. Is that when we get into these, these little squabbles, they don't help.
0: Well, I was going to say, on the squabble part, I think yeah. the, the angst we're talking about is... It wasn't precise what Matt Gaetz said in that statement uh, yeah. that we just played, but it is a, a sense if any of the more conservative or, tea, or whatever you call them, Tea Party or you know, uh, Freedom Caucus folks go back, they talk to their constituents, yeah. that that passion comes back and, and they just they, they want to do something. And I don't I'm, I'm not necessarily for or against removal of Kevin McCarthy, because I don't know who's better, you know, I, I don't know who's better, and I but don't we're know where over that didn't. now, right? We're not yeah. gonna go
2: back. Well, or, I mean, we gotta move well, forward on it Oh, oh no, we are, yeah.
0: it, it happened, except I think it happened because of this frustration, because they feel like, could someone please do something? And so I'm not sure that was an effective thing but The to majority do. of
2: House Freedom Caucus members, by the way, voted against it.
0: Is that right? Okay. The, yeah. Well, I mean, that, I mean that's, that's the It has to be the case, yeah, this because- is the
2: interesting, This is the interesting thing about what um, um, Speaker McCarthy actually did the House Freedom Caucus had, um, when we talk about the House Freedom Caucus, for example, Matt Gates is not in the House Freedom Caucus. Really?
0: Well, Marjorie
2: Taylor Greene got kicked out of the House Freedom Caucus. <laughs> I, mean, there's, right. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying when, we, when we, we, we think that the most conservative members are members of the House Freedom Caucus, that's not the case. Um, but when we had the bill that came up on Friday that prioritized the border, that had the largest decrease, do you know who the three authors of that bill were? You yeah. not Byron Donalds, Scott Perry, and Chip Roy all members of the House Freedom Caucus. Yeah. That was their bill. Who they couldn't get surrounding it and supporting it on Friday, why it didn't pass, was other House Freedom Caucus members and, and, and folks like Matt Gates.
0: Yeah. Well, so it's be- like, it was, it's the, the
2: conservative, conser- uber conservative, uber conservative that are imploding on each other. And that's the frustration from conservatives like me. It's like, guys, we have the opportunity right now to lead. We gotta bring all of you on board because we're getting the moderates. They voted for that bill on Friday. It was our harder people that I think are more personal than, yeah. than really um, interested in, in, in moving together legislation that that happened to. But it was those three members that are hardcore. Nobody's gonna argue that Chip Roy is not a con, you know, constitutional oh, conservative. conservative. Did you see his little explosion on Steve
0: Dase's show? I did. Yeah, oh. wow, okay. So and when you like say him. people
2: aren't frustrated and don't have a loud voice,
0: that yeah, example of, an of it. Okay, yeah. so we do at this show. We offer our, our studio audience a chance to ask yes. questions. There is a microphone, and so I, I'm just giving you a chance. Now's your time to think of your questions, um, and then we ask you to keep your questions short. So and, and speak right in the microphone so it goes out on air and not just in this room. And while you're thinking about your question, um, you know, I will say the other thing that I mean, I everyone has their dream of you know we get uh, Trump reelected, we get a massive majority in the Senate and the House, and we have a laundry list of things we're going to do. And, and <clears throat> all of that assumes we can have a fair election, which I think is a whole other problem. But, you know, all of that is, is, you know, even if that were to occur, which is, I don't want to say it's a pipe dream, but, you know, it's pretty darn optimistic. You know, that would be over a year and a half away. So between now and when we have that election, I mean, what's the best thing that Congress has at its disposal to do? What can you do between now and then? The
2: appropriations bill is one thing. Appropriations bill, for the first time that I am aware of, we are putting policy into the appropriations bill. You're not gonna get this if you don't do this. Um, there's an opportunity for us to do that. Again, we just had our, um, our defense bill that we passed last week, our defense appropriations bill, and we had over 400 amendments that were added to that. Hundreds of uber conservative amendments um, that got wokeness. It, it prevented soldiers from being able to have to um, you know, get a shot it asked for reparations for those that were fired. mean, we're trying to get people into the military, and we're firing those that we've already paid to train, that have already shown a you know, dedication and a commitment to our country. It made no sense. We got rid of that stuff. Um, and so supporting those on the appropriations is one thing that we can do. Preventing bad legislation from ever coming on the floor is something else that we can do. We're not going to be able to have a complete revamp in our tax policy, which we need to do. We're not going to have a revamp and our healthcare policy which god
0: knows we need to do. Yep. We,
2: we we have three member majority right now.
0: But is that what it is now a three member majority? Okay, go ahead. Sorry.
2: So I <laughs> And and, and God bless, a couple of weeks ago, we had one member who got hit by a bull, and he had his hip crushed and could not get there. You had God loving Steve Scalise that was going through um, um, chemo, and he wasn't there. You have Anna Paulina Luna, who just had a baby. You had Dan Crenshaw, whose wife had just delivered two days before. I mean, we all have lives. I think what people forget is like we're also like humans, and we do get hurt. I mean, look at Greg Stevie, He fell off a 25-foot ladder, and, you know... that, that does happen. Um, five members of Congress died my first, my first year, you know, my first two years in Congress. I mean, these things happen. We have to work together. But do I think we're gonna be able to get massive bills pushed through? No, but the border is something I'm not compromising on. We have got to get control of that and our spending. I think going back to pre-COVID levels was being very generous, I think right. too generous. Right. I would like to go back 2017 numbers, but even then, it's, it, it's ridiculous. It's not sexy, but getting control of our agencies, little ways, the RAINS Act that I put in, yep. um, President Biden added over $200 billion worth of, of, of costs for additional regulations his first year. It's been a trillion his second year, a trillion dollars of regulations. So going in and saying, no, 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 no. First of all, you're gonna have to write a report. So for like SBA, saying that you can't pass, and this is, this was my bill that we just passed out of committee, but you can't, the SBA cannot have a regulation unless it is budget negative or budget neutral. Because what we see is they never go back and they clean up. They never clean up their right. old, reg- right? You know, they just keep layering on layering, and then you gotta hire more people to be able to do those regulations. So preventing them from being able to do that, but also making them print a report of how much it's gonna cost. So they can't act like they don't know, plus they have to do the information to be able to find out. So that, those are things that I think you're starting to limit the growth of government, and we can start shrinking it down. It's very difficult with the um, Federal Employee Union to fire people, but if you can get down on those programs, those jobs are eliminated.
0: That'd be fabulous. I will tell you that when I talk about the frustration um, in the country, the kind of (laughs) 50,000 foot thing, I think people, I, I say all the time on my show, the Democrat Party is no longer the American playing field. They are Marxists. They are socialists. Yeah. Whatever word you want to use, they don't believe in the whole idea of America. Yeah. And so what you're describing, I love, fight back wherever you can, pick every, every fight that you can win, every cutback. But I think there's going to be, it's a massive reawakening of America to recognize this is where they're headed yeah. and it's destruction of the constitutional freedoms that of America, of America was founded. It's destruction of all of America. I think that is part of what adds people's frustration. They don't think, well, it's just bad border policy, or it's just a, a failure to pick exactly the right policy on COVID. It is, it is a massive uh, shift away from freedom and toward tyranny uh, and totalitarianism. That the, it is, it is the home of what the left does in America. And I think that adds to this frustration people have. They just, they, they don't want this theft of their country right before their very eyes. Okay. Yeah. If you want to com- any questions we have? One. If you raise your hand and speak right in the microphone.
2: I, <laughs> <laughs> I have really two, but I'm struggling with which one to ask. One thing, real quickly, I just want, are there any good people left? In are there the right? Are there any good guys left in the Democratic
0: Party that will vote with you guys ever?
2: So, Henry Cuellar. <coughs> Henry Cuellar was, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, he got uh, carjacked uh, earlier yeah, this week. Yeah,
0: yeah. He had
2: three, uh, three people with guns. Uh, uh, carjack him less than a mile from um, the Capitol, um, very nice area. Um, we couldn't give him a hard time because he was the one Democrat that voted um, to support our fighting back on what Washington DC was doing <coughs> um, to defund its police and, and to let um, criminals go with, just let them go. So he's the one Democrat who voted for that. Uh, Henry Cuellar also voted. When I sat there, and when I hear about extremes, right? We hear mega extremes. I was on the House floor when they voted, when every single Democrat but one, Henry Cuellar, voted to allow abortion on demand up until the moment of birth, paid for by taxpayer dollars. Um, So, But he voted against, and living in Texas, he voted against that bill on Friday. Not one Democrat supported that bill that would have helped us control and secure our borders. So I am seeing this tribal mentality come. Um, Are there good guys? Socially, they may be fine, but they do vote together as a group. Very, very rarely do you see that one, two um, um, fall off.
0: Yeah, that's part of the lament about, you know, Democrats vote they, they just they yeah. get whipped into shape or they get whipped, whatever it is, and and our side has we have independent got, thinkers, I guess. We I was, do,
2: we do, but you've got power when you when you can vote as a block.
0: Yeah. But there's another question coming. I do want to just throw yeah. one quick point in. This whole business about and, and today isn't the day to talk about election fraud, except to say mm-hmm. the only reason it seems that we are three heartbeats away from is because I, I think election fraud what is not which is not you know, uh, one-off, occasional thing, someone involved in the graveyard, but this systemic election fraud has, has gotten us, and, and not enough voices just saying it is a systemic problem that it will, will destroy our or destroy our country. And I think there have been this frustration again, maybe yeah. it's in your committee, but frustration about you know, will someone speak up and say this is this is a, a cancer on our ele- on our free elections? Oh, I think
2: you've heard a lot of us say that. But here's here's con- speaking as a constitutional conservative. Constitutionally, the states have the right to be able to dictate their election laws. I I would caution anybody who wants the federal government to do it, to think about that three heartbeats that I talk about. If you had the House, the Senate, and the President, all Democrats, and they all wanted to do election reform, you would see people 16 and over being able to vote. You would see people who were here illegally being allowed to vote, which is why the 8 million people who have come, this is all by plan. Oh yes, oh yes. So when I say that from a federal perspective, be very careful what you wish for. Texas has done a very strong election reform bill. Georgia, and you know this, right? Because they're businesses—you had Coke, you had Delta—all threatening them because they were somehow shutting people out from voting, even though they had record number of people who voted
0: in the next I election. I know. I will say I, I'm agreeing with you, and I yeah. completely agree in the notion that the Constitution probably was written exactly that way yeah. for exactly this reason, because you don't want to have control of elections in the hands of essentially three people, the you know, Speaker of the House, the Senate Majority Leader, the yeah. President running the whole thing, and then you take it away. It is in the hands of the states. But I would back. love, love to have more voices out of Washington, uh, really honestly treating the Biden administration as illegitimate, which in my view, they are. They, are, they didn't get elected by the American people.
2: I mean, you need, you need to do, there, there are a few things, and I have, I've co-sponsored legislation, I've introduced legislation. There are a few things. If you were getting federal dollars, you have to um, update your voter rolls every two years, right? Enough of people who are dying, or dead, I'm sorry, dying. You can still vote if you're dying. <laughs> if, you are, if you have passed, if you are dead, you don't get to vote. Uh, if you have moved and you're no longer in Florida, you, know, you don't get to vote in your new house in New York and in Florida. There are things that you can do to update, which is not you know, um, um, impeding on states to be right. able to do that. There's those things. But I also think they should be looking at, 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 at technology. Why does it take three days to count
0: votes? I'm sorry. Because they were manipulating if them. If you were they counting, weren't counting yeah, if you them. were counting them, it wouldn't take you three days. Right. Why does it take you that long now? Because they were cheating. Yeah. Go ahead, you have another question here, go ahead.
1: Uh, Beth, as on on Newsmax today, on the crawlers, that the FBI is targeting Trump voters in 2024. Do you know anything about that?
2: I haven't heard it, but again, we have to hold the FBI accountable. And I think what you're seeing um, as we are unfolding with this inquiry, which the the impeachment inquiry, which would never have happened, by the way, no matter how slim the majority is, we would never have gotten this information uncovered um, without having a Republican majority. But right. this is what we're trying to uncover. And this is why the moving forward with this inquiry is so important, because every day we're finding out more and more information about how folks here within the government structure, within that bureaucracy, have completely um, taken advantage of their roles and have been politicized. Absolutely.
0: The question is, well. do you ask a hand? OK. This will be a quick one.
1: A lot of us are working very hard to replace rhinos with conservatives. In the state house and in dc do you get the impression that that's really
2: happening um one of the things that that is more more eye-opening now that i've been there is you've got in, in luck i i won in the hardest district in 2020 yes i i am a conservative voice unabashedly so it was very clear that i am a conservative voice And I won uh, in 2020 in the only district in Texas that sent a Republican congresswoman, but but they voted for Biden by nearly six points. So when I hear about people, well, I'm in a purple district, I've got to be, you know, yada, yada, yada. If you drive down the middle lane, you're going to get hit by both sides. So figure out what the principles are that you stand for. Speak that way, vote that way, truly believe that way. People will know who, who, you're, who they're voting for if you do that, be consistent. Um, we do have members, and, and there's a number of freshmen members, freshmen members from New York, who are in Biden or you know, in Democrat districts who got elected because Lee Zeldin was such a force of nature in his campaign for governor that got so many more Republicans. And this is what I try to tell some of my more moderate colleagues. Lee Zeldin is a perfect example Again, he was really conservative. His votes were conservative. When he got out there and he campaigned, it was from a conservative perspective that excited people to go support him and vote for him. If you try to placate everyone, you are letting everybody down. Stop doing that. But we all represent 700,000 different voices in trying to figure out what voice is the loudest. Is that the one you should be listening to? Um, We all try to represent our districts, And we all come from different districts and being respectful of that is important. But I will also tell you on, um, and I'm not, I'm not defending those people because I, somebody asked me which, which, which was more difficult to work with my Democrat colleagues or some of my Republican colleagues, without even having to, to, to hesitate my, some of my Republican colleagues. Like, why can't you vote for this? We had this conservative bill. Why can't you vote for it? But I will tell you the numbers count and I saw how much horrible legislation was allowed onto the floor of the House my first two years in office by having a majority as narrow as it may be, by having a majority where at least not seeing that even ever put up for a vote. I mean, you're not seeing the ridiculous um, um, laws that wanted to take away gun rights from people. You're not seeing the ridiculous inflation you know, bills that they were putting on there. You're seeing the appropriations bills we're fighting and we're getting conservative policies but making sure that that doesn't happen and you've got a stopgap, especially when you don't have the presidency and you don't have the Senate, is important.
0: Okay, we are, as often happens, I think out of time. Uh, We're past our time. Um, So I wanna, uh, first of all, i'm so am just really grateful you happen to be available i know you're yeah, exactly. you weren't expecting to be home this week yeah. but now you're we should, home
2: we shouldn't have been home this week we should have yeah.
0: stayed yeah. in the work we should not have been. i'm glad i got to see you guys don't take it <laughs> but but we should have stayed in work well they, they asked they send people home essentially right yeah because of the speaker situation so well i'm much to my benefit uh, i'm grateful you're available you. and i want to thank you very much and I, this was a you know i we've had many really uh, many conversations over yeah. the years. Uh, this was a little more intense, but I, I really kind of wanted it that way because I think i 'm trying to represent what I think people are thinking, and I, uh, you will hear mm-hmm. it too and really let you have a chance to explain what it 's like to be in that side of it and have the conservative mm-hmm. views and be the member of Congress and hear the frustration and recognize you can 't fix everything, um, even though people would like you to or like people I would like, like to. you <laughs> too Yeah so Beth and I, <laughs> thank, thank you so very much. much for joining me today. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiadis Our show is America Can We Talk. You can find it online at AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Next Thursday, I will not be here because I'm going to a convention, so we're going to miss a show next week. The following week after that, I have Ann Vandersteel coming in, who's. Uh, who has done a great deal of work at the southern border and exposing the Colony Ridge and all of that. So she'll be here in two weeks. And I want to thank you again for tuning in to America Can We Talk? I do this show to speak truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Thank you.
1: America, can we talk? Truth about America Can you